Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recordings. Testing, testing, hot out, brown car. One, two, three, four. Testing, testing. Hey, boy. You know, Ralph, I'm getting a little nervous out here. I don't know how you can keep so calm back there. Get ready. Ten seconds. Five seconds. Go. Hey, I can't find nothing on the radio. Uh, you'll turn to that station. You know, one definition of a friend is someone who's there when you need him. Well, I needed him and he's here. Ladies and gentlemen, my friend Elton Jim. Good morning, Elton Jim. Elton Jim. I'm the one, the only, Elton Jim Toronto. I'm back. <laughs> Good morning. Happy Sunday. Jim Toronto. Elton Jim filling in for Dean Richards this morning. But listen anyway. Got Jack the producer here. For the next two and a half hours, we're going to have some fun, some information. And in the words of Bill Cosby, and if you're not too busy you just might learn something i'm looking out the window here at the wgn studios and some of the streets have been blocked off it almost looks like it looks like uh vanilla sky you ever see that tom cruise film when all the streets are are in new york are, are done i'm very impressed i know in the summer it was the last time i was on actually uh taylor swift was in town and all of the uh, the streets were blocked off, and three, two or three shows at Soldier Field. People were getting there two or three hours before to get merchandise. The city basically shut down. We were in a Taylor Swift frenzy. And I must say, for those of us who are maybe not Swifties, uh, but like a little more classic rock, I'm very impressed that Chicago is still showing its loyalty to one of the um, legends of rock and roll music to have closed all these streets. Everywhere I went today coming in, so many streets closed. I had a, an interesting uh, little journey to get down here today. But all the streets, as I'm looking out the window here, Columbus and Wacker, all empty. Just because tonight is the third show of Bob Dylan... At the Palace Theater, at the Cadillac Palace Theater. Way to go to Chicago. Chicago is shut down. The Dylan heads are out, and the city is shut down in honor of Bob Dylan playing three shows. Jack, there's nothing else going on here today, is there? No, I don't think so. No, I mean, that's why the streets are, I would assume, right? Dylan's um, in town I, for three I, shows, right? I, I hate to say this, but I think you're missing something here. What's that? Um, oh, that's, a, that's, that's Dave Schwann, by the way. <laughs> what I am missing, sadly, is Andy. Andy not here today. Did you happen to mention that 47,000 people are running through the streets of Chicago this to get, morning? Yeah, to get to the Bob to Dylan show. Bob Dylan show. Yeah, Bob Dylan, Cadillac <laughs> Palace Theater. Right, that's what I mean. Right? Sure. Well, that's great, because okay. I'm a huge Dylan fan. And later in the show, we're actually going to talk about Bob Dylan. But uh, why, I, why? What, is there something else going on? Yeah, it's called the... <laughs> 
<laughs> well, tell me here. You're keeping me in suspense. You were in here an hour ago watching, <laughs> you know, many people run up Columbus here. Yeah, I thought, the the Cato- I thought they were going, going to the Cadillac Palace Theater to get in line for the merchant, the Bob, you know, you, you think it's easy to get a Bob Dylan hat or a hoodie? They're running in the wrong direction, though. <laughs> Well, no, they're if running going everywhere. To the Cadillac Palace. There's no, going yeah, but if you see if you've seen that uh, that route, there's no rhyme or reason to the to the route. <laughs> At one time, you're 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 running both west and south. I don't even know how they do it. <laughs> and north, south, and west. Yeah, and just east for just a little bit. When and, they and, come wait, back and, and Shwani, can downtown. you explain to me why North Avenue runs east and west? Have we been able to figure that out? I, I no. I'm going to venture a guess and say that zillions of years ago it was the northern end of the city. But, I guess. Uh, but so, in other words, you're saying that in addition to the three sold out shows at the Cadillac Palace by Bob Dylan, the poet laureate, the Nobel Peace Prize winner for literature. In addition to that, there's something else going on. Yes. What? <laughs> it can't be. It can't be. Jack, oh, 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 I know. It's a Bears. Jack, the the one solitary Bears victory Jack, parade. Jack, take take him aside during the commercial break. I wish I had lane. a button to turn the mic on. <laughs> Is it the Bears? Vic- are we having a victory parade for the one they're going <laughs> to win this year? <laughs> What is it? Is there a victory parade that they've they've fired uh, Eberflop? Okay. Has I, he been fired yet? I, mean, I have a newsroom to run. I will talk to you at <laughs> No, no, tell me. What is it? Tell me real quick. As I said, and as I've been saying all morning, it's the 45th annual Chicago Marathon. Oh, that. That's... Oh, that. 47,000 participants. You missed this? Oh, that. Anyway, so... No, I know. Of course I know. <laughs> I'm just pulling your leg there, Shwani. Yeah, I like I said, I got here at 5.30 in the morning for a 9 o'clock show to beat the, the street closures. <laughs> well, I beat you. I got here at 4. Now, now so. I didn't get here that early, but I did leave a little earlier. Did you? Um, and I actually, I was surprised. I don't know what they did. I was talking to Jack, the producer, today, and he got in relatively easy today, too. nice. Yeah, so... I don't know. I, I remember I did this one time before, and I was driving around. I was I was in Indiana at one point trying to get to the studio. Me too. <laughs> but this time it <laughs> it was relatively smooth. I found my way. I did have to make a little detour because Columbus was closed. I discovered a new street called Stetson. I just thought that was a hat. And uh, but I found my I found my way to to to, to Wacker relatively simple, and I got here uh, without much of a hassle. So. I know. I don't know why Dean. I know what Dean's reason he didn't come in today is because of the closures, and he figured he's going to drive me crazy by trying to get down here. But I got news for you, Dean. Backfired. I got here no problem. Jack got here no problem. Schwanny no problem. It's a great Sunday. Yeah, got here uh, with no. They were ready to close many of the downtown streets on my way, and you know the police were out. The uh, Plows were out, you know, they block the way they block streets these days. Yeah. But everything was uh, open and I got in with no trouble. Well, I, I understand that there's this marathon. Um, in fact, let I'm me just, glad you do. Let me just send out a message to all you marathon runners. You're all winners! <laughs> you are all winners. I have to say, I have great respect for marathon runners. Um, I had good sprinting speed when I was a young kid. And I played sports, but I hated long distance running. Have you ever run anything long, Jack? Have you been a no? The mile used to ruin my day in high school. Yeah, <laughs> that's, so that's 
That's about as far as I'll go. I, I used to work with a woman about 25 years ago, and it was just when the marathons were beginning to uh, to catch on, where, where it wasn't just like diehard running fans, but people were starting to look at the marathon as, as something to do as a, as a motivating factor, as, as a bucket list kind of thing. And uh, I remember the training, the training regimen. I think that's an accomplishment unto itself. There were, toward the end of her, of a two or three month training regimen, there were some Saturdays and Sundays when she said, yeah, I, I ran 17 miles this weekend. And I'm like, whoa, I, you know, it's one thing if you get up on a Saturday morning and you run a mile or two and get the blood pumping and it takes maybe, you know, an hour or so, depending on your, your shape and things like that, what kind of shape you're in. But to say, okay, I'm going to wake up today and run 17 miles and that's not even the end point. Wow, that is amazing dedication. And, and, and I don't know if there's any runners out there. I was up early yesterday doing some errands, and there's always runners in the morning getting their, their run in, but I, I noticed a, 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 a f- at least it seemed like there was a lot more runners in the morning yesterday, and they seemed to be very focused. And I'm wondering, according to the, 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 the jogging and the running uh, training regimen for a marathon, do marathon runners run? Do you know, Jack? Do they run the day before? Do they take off to give the body a chance to uh, get ready for this amazing 26-mile race. Do you know? I, I'm not 100% sure, but I know some people that have. And I think like that last week, you kind of ramp it down. Yeah. And like you do like maybe a couple miles towards so the you end. So just, just to keep your body loose, but yeah. not anything crazy. Though. Yeah, I think that's what you do. Because Not, not an expert, but that's yeah, what yeah. I think. Because it just seemed like I saw a lot more runners in the morning yesterday running around everywhere. And they had they, they had a different look on their face. It was it seemed like they were looking at their watches more, their time. So it just seemed like, oh, maybe is this the, their last ditch effort, uh, you know, last time before the big day. But man, I'll tell you, uh, I guess from a, from a, I would imagine. From a weather standpoint, you can't ask for anything better. I bet there might even be some records today because of this weather. I mean, it's in the mid-50s. We have had races in the past where it's been in the 80s. Sadly, some people have died uh, as a result. I believe last week they they canceled one in Minnesota because it was so hot. They might have, yeah. 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 So I would think that today, when you, if you're a runner... This is picture perfect. You couldn't order it for a better day in the 50s. The sun is out. It's a little cloudy, but a nice little breeze, nice and brisk. And uh, so I wouldn't be surprised. Now, do they, I mean, usually the, the elite runners, they do this in like two hours, right? Something like that? Yeah, we're looking at a couple that may uh, hit that mark, you know, two hours, two hours and 10 minutes, something like that. That's That's insane. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Two hours. I mean, that's like going to Milwaukee and back and you just, you know, you're driving there. My God. Well, I'm I'm seeing it on the the TV screen here in the the studio. I got to uh, disagree with you, uh, Shawnee. The guy that's running now, it looks like he's going to the Cadillac Palace. (laughs) I really think he's, he wants to get that Dylan hoodie. I really believe he does. You're all yes, you are. Keep going. Keep going. Whatever it takes. I get. I got tired driving down here today, and I only live about ten miles from downtown. So, uh, congratulations, to everybody who has who is running. Who maybe there's people. How cool! Right now, there could be people listening to this station while they're running. 
So in, in honor of you, I am not going to sit for the two and a half hours that we do the show today. We're off at 1130 because there's a uh, football game. The Saints are playing the Patriots. But I'm going to stand. I am not going to sit. So that's my tribute to you because you, you runners, You're you really are. So that's my tribute to you. Uh, I'm looking over there. Shwani, you're sitting. I am not. You're not sitting? No. Oh, there's I, a chair behind. Oh, it, well, no. well, you're laying down. It looks like you're sleeping. Oh, you're standing. I'm sorry. Yes. There's a, there's a, I, I see the, the, the chair behind you a little in the, in the screen yeah. here, so I thought you were sitting. Well, good yeah. for you. Yeah. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to stand for the whole show. Some, some hosts sit um, during... I like to stand. It keeps the energy level up. So I, I'm, I'm leaning on the, uh, the console. So that's my, that's my big... Um, Tribute to the marathoners. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a radio marathon and stand for two and a half hours. Can he do it? In the time that this show takes, somebody's gonna run twenty-six miles. <laughs> wow. We're gonna have a lot of fun this morning. Um lots to uh, discuss. Uh we'll talk a little sports. As I said before, I do want to talk about Bob Dylan coming to town. A few weeks ago, I went to Tulsa to the Bob Dylan Center, the museum where his archives are, and I had a great time. I am a Bob Dylan fan, so we're going to talk to the director of the, uh, the Bob Dylan Center a little uh, later in the show. Swifties, don't worry about it. Um, I've got my own personal Swiftie. I'm going to talk to, um, to her a little later in the show about, of course, there's two big stories in the NFL. The Bears won a game, but... Tay-Tay and Kelsey, what's the deal? I'm going to talk to a bonafide Swifty who I spoke with actually back in June who saw the, the top, uh, a show at, uh, at, uh, at Soldier Field. And then, of course, uh, for me, this is the most wonderful time of the year because I love autumn. I love fall. I love the – this is my weather. Today's weather is my weather. And with that comes, of course – Pumpkin spice. Oh, I'm going to talk about all things pumpkin. I've been going to the stores for the last two or three weeks, picking out some of the new pumpkin spice products, and I'll give you some of uh, my observations of what are some of the best and worst pumpkin spice products out there. But for right now, I'm spraying the studio here with some nice Glade pumpkin spice while Dean's away, Elton Jim will play. Filling in for Dean Richards uh, this morning till 11.30, but listen anyway. Jim Toronto filling in for Dean Richards this morning, but listen anyway. Jack, we don't have any more breaks? I mean, uh, should we just go right to the news? Okay. So Shwani um, usually does the uh, far-flung forecast right around now. But uh, unfortunately, Dr. Kevin Most uh, is not able to uh, join us today. So I thought we could, we could give the far-flung a little more time and a little more chance to, uh, to give, uh, you know, Schwani his, uh, his little moment uh, uh, on the pedestal. And so we'll do that after the news. And, um, I mean, uh, Dr. Most, I love talking to him. Apparently, he said he had a family breakfast this morning. Uh, I don't know. It seems like when Dean is in, uh, the family breakfast start at 10.30 as opposed to 9.30. But, uh, you know, no, I love Kevin. I appreciate when he's come on with me. But, uh, yeah, so we'll have a, a little extra time to uh, have some fun with uh, Dave Schwan and the, um, the Fire Fun forecast after uh, the news at 9.30. I do want to talk a little bit. Uh, we don't have a Bear game today, but I would like to talk a little bit about the Bears. 
after the news at 9.30, especially not so much about the team. I, I will add a few of my little observations. But um, what I really want to talk about uh, is uh, the passing of Dick Butkus. Wow. Uh, if you grew up in Chicago uh, anytime in, in, during the Butkus era, the mid-60s, through the mid-70s, and I was just a little kid. I never, Sadly, I never saw Dick Butkus play in his prime. I was a little too young uh, by the time he retired. I, I remember seeing him play for a couple of years, and even when he was on really bad knees and the guy was really hurting, he had some major knee problems, and back then, uh, you know, knee surgery was not as well uh, perfected as it is today. I'm sure whatever Dick Butkus had, uh, 40, 50 years ago, it would probably be an arthroscopic 10-minute surgery now. But back then, it was uh, it was a major, major deal. And so uh, his career was cut short, unfortunately. Uh, but even retiring at age 31, he has made an indelible mark on... Um, on football, no doubt. And so uh, I will talk a little bit about my memories about Dick Butkus and what he meant to me. Um, is Schwanee doing the news at 930 or no? There he is. Hi, yes, Schwanneroo. I, I was looking for you. <laughs> it's like I'm I said, I have a newsroom to run. Um, well, I don't know. I mean, I was I was all set. I was vamping. Um, you do that very well. Yeah, well. <laughs> um, uh, well, why don't we just go to Dave Schwan? Jim Toronto filling in for Dean Richards this morning. But listen, anyway. Well, Schwanaroo, I'm looking at the uh, at the uh, television in here. We do have a world record, a yeah. world record. Yeah. Kelvin Kiptum. Kelvin Kiptum said, "I don't have the time yet specifically, but uh, yeah, we may have a world record here. Just literally over like two hours and maybe a minute or yeah. two. Yeah, two hours and a couple minutes. Uh, so I got here at seven thirty. <laughs> So the time that I've been at the studio. And it took you an hour and a half yeah. to get up from your car. This guy to ran the studio. Two, this guy ran twenty six point two miles. <laughs> Unbelievable. Wow. I, well I said given the given the the weather, which uh, is I would assume perfect if you're a runner, a long distance runner, I expected some uh, records, but wow. Two uh, just a little over two hours unbelievable and it looks like there's actually a few guys that are, are still running that are going to come in close they're not going to set a record but he must have set a pretty strong pace that uh even the the second third and fourth runners are running at a, a pretty good yeah, clip a little too. over about two hours and uh maybe six minutes now or <sighs> ten minutes wow yeah. here comes another one boy yeah and i thought i was doing a lot just as i said i was going to in tribute to the runners i was going to stand for the whole show and this guy ran. What happens after ten o'clock? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, yeah. I think my my eyes are a little too big. It I took started. you an hour and a half to get from your car to get. To the oh my gosh! I I parked in the, in the bowels of the uh, of the you know because there's a lot of people down here parking for the for the event, which of course is the Bob Dylan concert uh, at the Cadillac Palace. I heard there's a marathon too. But uh, so there's a lot of people in the parking uh, garages all around here. I am in such a lower bowels of the parking garage I'm in. I, I, I felt like I was in the maze from The Shining. 
<laughs> I kept walking into dead ends. I'm like, where is the where is the elevator? I started, and I was it was like it was dark, and I was getting scared. I was hearing, Danny, Danny boy. I had a dream once that I was trying to come to work and I couldn't get out of the parking garage. Oh my god, that's just kept felt. walking around and couldn't find the door and couldn't get in. <laughs> and I know I'm late for a newscast. Oh. And I'm going, oh no. Yeah, I'm not exact. I'm not exact. I walked into a dead end i thought i was going to like a nice little ramp to find a door and there was just a brick wall and i was like okay now what do i do <laughs> i'm looking at the arrows unbelievable well schwan you know i Shwani, i love your uh, your far flung so i said hey let's not just give dave uh you know a couple of minutes you know you know when when dean's away the cats will play so uh <laughs> You know, no he, rules. Yeah, no rules. I mean, that's let's go. So I'm uh, ready. Yeah. So instead of uh, just having you in there at nine twenty-seven or so, I I I, I like I, if we're going to do a far flung, let's really flung it. Okay. All right. So here's Dave. Hit the. All right. Thank you so much, Elton. Good morning, everyone. Get out your compasses and protractors and newfangled devices because today we are going to. Marathon, Iowa. Nice. Marathon, Iowa. We always try to do something in conjunction with the Marathon Sunday here. I thought you were going to do something with uh, Bob Dylan's hometown in Minnesota. Minnesota. (laughs) We've done that before. We have. We've done it before. But today we go to Marathon, Iowa. It's kind of in the northwest corner of the state. Population 230, and they are named for the city of Mar, or the rather the Battle of Marathon, where we get the term marathon uh, that was took place in ancient Greece. But uh, this is in Buena Vista County, Iowa. They have their own race in June. They have a, ma- a marathon and also a 5K race. And that marathon is also a qualifier for the Boston Marathon. But Marathon, Iowa has a beautiful day going today. It's sunny and 49 degrees. I thought uh, Marathon, Iowa was named after the uh, the gas station. Oh, no. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> do they still have marathons sure they do yeah oh yeah you know it's so cool you go I, I don't see them around chicago as much but in a lot of states they have sinclair remember sinclair oh yeah sinclair i've seen them in missouri yeah with, i've seen them you know further south southwest with uh, the dinosaur with the di- with dino the dinosaur yeah the green yeah. dinosaur yep i yep. would love to get one of those di- i remember those as a little kid I, they got to have some kind of like you know some memorabilia, right? Isn't there a di- didn't they used to sell dinosaurs? Probably or did. Yeah. yeah, there was a there was a Sinclair station a few blocks from where I grew up. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. wow. Yeah, yeah. The, the green. I don't know what. I don't know what the. Well, you know what was really funny too. So apparently, is the connect? Do you think is the, you think the connection with the dinosaur is the fact that oil is this residue? Oh, a fossil fuel. Yeah. That's good you think question. that that's why know. they have? Because I wondered why would you? I have think it's this, more of a marketing thing. Well, actually. I understand that, but yeah. I wondered because what was what I found interesting. Uh, if you remember the show in the nineties, there was a show called Dinosaurs. It was on it was on Channel Seven ABC, and it was about it was it was basically a takeoff on the honeymooners, but it was in the <laughs> it was in the Stone Age. It was in the Dinosaur Age. You mean the Flintstones? Well, that was the Flintstones, but yeah. this was called Dinosaurs, and it was they were they were it was live action, but they were all dinosaurs. They came they were like in costumes. And uh, they, they were the Sinclair family. They had this little baby that went, this. again, again. <laughs> they had this little baby dinosaur. In fact, I have the baby dinosaur at home, the stuffed animal of the baby dinosaur. 
They don't show the show on reruns for some reason. It was a hit for two or three years. Like I said, it was kind of a takeoff on the honeymoon. Can't you see him walking around the house, Jack, with that doll? Going, I used to, hey, again, again, because you, you, he talked and you pulled the string and he said, again, we used to like at Christmas, I'd put a little Christmas hat on him. My wife and I, my wife and I don't have any kids. So the baby dinosaur, you know, in the early nineties was kind of our adopted kid. But what I found interesting was <laughs> the, the family was called the Sinclairs. And they were dinosaurs. Well, yeah, they're, they're, sure, they just took the name. From yeah. The, uh, so then I wonder stations that were still yeah. around at the time. Then yeah, it was kind of a a little takeoff. Uh, but I don't know. I don't see any in certainly in the Chicago area. No, I haven't seen them for years. No. Yeah. But um, so, do you? Is it is it an old wives' tale or is it true that the reason that a marathon is twenty six point two miles is because it was a certain distance that a Greek runner ran yes. to send a message. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's that's the story. That is the story, and that's an accurate story. Uh, running to tell the the you know the leader of the uh, Greek army or whatever it was. I'll have to look up all of the specifics, but ran that distance to inform them that they had won, and then he collapsed and died. Right. So that's true. Yeah. As far as we know. Yes. Yeah. So in other words, if it was closer. Then the marathon could have been fourteen miles, mm-hmm. right? I guess, yeah. and then we would have, and then it would have been an amazing feat to run fourteen miles, right? <laughs> it's still an amazing feat to run oh. fourteen miles. No, exactly. But I my point is, like, I mean, I mean, I mean, basically, it's kind of scary when you think that it was to your point. He ran the twenty-six point two miles and then died, right? So, at least at that time. Not the most healthy of options, right? Mm-hmm. So at that time, clearly the, the the human body maybe wasn't trained or capable of running that far, but yet we used that as still the standard, even though the guy died. It wasn't like, well, he ran 26 miles, and I guess you can do it. He ran it and died. Not a good result. No. And yet we still use that as the barometer as you know for the length, which I think is kind of strange <laughs> because yeah. it's like, okay, you know the first marathon runner died. Oh, okay, then maybe we should make it 20 miles. i don't know but um, but that is a true story then, as far as we yes. know, huh? yeah, wow, yep, so completely arbitrary, had no significance. It's just that that's how far one town was, was from the, the other. distance from maybe the, the battlefield to where the headquarters were for the Army. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. That's, it just seems so arbitrary. Now that's become the standard, and we've, we, we gauge this race based on that, and it could have been 15 miles, or it could have been 28. What if it was farther? Yeah. He would have died at the 26-mile marker in the... And then the message would never have gotten delivered. <laughs> right? Sooner or later. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But wow, that... Uh, it would have walked the rest of the way. Jeez. But, uh, so have you ever even tried to do this? Oh, no. I actually did do some running when I was in college in my 20s, and I enjoyed it. You know, you had to take a certain number of elective courses in phys ed and other things in order to graduate. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know, uh, uh, one of them was a certain number of hours for phys ed, physical education. And I chose a running class and I thought, 
boy, I don't know if I'm going to do this or not. And uh, the goal was to run just a mere two miles in under 15 minutes. And I did it. And I enjoyed it. Yeah, I was. Uh, I played sports when I was a uh, you know in high school. And that was forty five years ago. Yeah, too. as a young kid, and I always I, I had pretty good speed. I I was very fast sprinter. I could run fast, um, but wow, the long distance it just was not my thing. Uh, just uh, I just didn't enjoy it. I had a baseball coach in high school, and this is gosh, how many years ago is this? And this was long before marathons were the cool thing to do and he was a runner and he was and, and it was and he would do the same thing get up every morning run 10 15 miles a day and he was in in great shape and um and it was it was an oddity at that time and so of course then he he would have us do long distance running you know for different types of things and we'd run from like one of the, from our school to where the practice field was it was a couple of miles and oh my gosh i just man i was i was looking to hitchhike half the way there over on Belmont Avenue, sticking my thumb out. Can you take me to Reese Park? I know the rest of the team is running, but my gosh. So I give, as I said before, I give these people a lot of credit for just the training alone. Just the training alone. Uh, to get ready for such a race. And then to, to, to actually uh, strap in and, uh, and run 26.2 miles. So, uh, yes, yes, you are. You are all winners. I mean... At this point, with this record, uh, we just had a record, two hours and, and change, and David just read that the wheelchair guy had finished in like an hour and a half or an hour and 45 minutes. Yeah, and they just said the uh, women set a course record yeah. today, the women's course record. So the, the, the runners now are running almost as fast as people on wheels. It's crazy. <laughs> And now the women have just set a record, too? Yeah, course record. Yeah, well, because, you know, he set such a pace, I'm sure, that everybody was just uh, was, 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 was kicking it up a notch. Wow. Well, congratulations to everybody. We're going to take a quick break here. Jim Toronto filling in for Dean Richards. When I come back from the break, uh, some memories of good old number 51, Dick Butkus. Jim Toronto filling in for Dean Richards. No switching. Jim Toronto filling in for Dean Richards this morning. But listen, anyway. Uh, it's really sad news uh, this week. Ironically, on the same day, Thursday, when the Bears played and unbelievably won their first game uh, against the Washington Commanders. But during the day before the game, news broke um, all over the Internet that uh, Bears legend and football great Hall of Famer Dit Butkus had passed away at age 80. And uh, it really was one of those moments when it hit me and you take a step back uh that was one of the names that was uh really important during my early childhood um like anyone who was in the chicago area uh chicago has always been a bear town whether they've been good or bad my gosh i think it was in 1968 or 1970 talk about bad the bears were one in 13 so that's how bad things had gotten uh, with the Bear team. But amidst that, from 1965 to 1974, Dick Butkus uh, was the face of the Chicago Bears. Certainly for a while, Gail Sayers was, but then Gail had injuries and had to retire. And Dick Butkus was the face of the Chicago Bears. He came to exemplify and epitomize 
and became the standard for the position of middle linebacker. Even today, I mean, number 51. Even today, when I go to if I go to a high school game, or even a, 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 a little peewee game at a park anywhere, if I see somebody wearing number fifty one, I think of Dick Butkus. And I remember as a kid, uh, my dad came home one day with four different posters. I loved sports. I played a lot of sports during my early, uh, you know, age and, and into high school and, and a little, uh, and even through into my twenties and thirties and. Um, I had Ron Sano, Bobby Hull, Tony Esposito, and Dick Butkus. He bought me these four posters, put them on the walls, and it, uh, I just saw uh, Dick Butkus. I think at one of the, at, at the the first game of the season against the Packers, and I noticed they showed him on the sidelines, and he still looked pretty good. He did have a cane, but he certainly looked like he was, um, you know, standing. He had good posture. He looked fine, so this was something of a of a surprise, I think. Apparently, he passed away in his sleep in Malibu, California. Um, so I'm not sure if he had any kind of lingering illness or not. But I remember seeing him and uh, and, and just immediately putting a smile on my face and saying, oh, there's good old Dick Butkus. Um, as I said, number 51, uh, I remember playing football, and we didn't even play at the park. We were so young that we used to play. I can't even believe we did this. We used to play tackle football on the front grass of of our house and maybe two or three or four other houses. And I can't believe that the neighbors let us do this. I certainly wouldn't let kids do it on mine right now. And we used to play tackle football on the with the sidewalk as well because you know there's grass on both sides, so you sort of you you ran on either the the grass that was close to the curb or close to the house. You didn't want to get tackled on the sidewalk, but that's how we used to play football before we were old enough to to go to a park. And I always had number fifty one on my jersey. In fact, when I played football uh, for St. Pat's for a couple of years, I only played uh, freshman and sophomore year, but I did play middle linebacker. On the defense, I played fullback and middle linebacker, and it was because of Dick Butkus, no question about it. In fact, I went online and I found a photo of the poster that I had in my room, and I put it up on my Facebook page. It really just brought an instant, um, an instant memory back for me, and um, and so Dick Butkus was grit and tenacity. And uh, we miss him, and we will miss him. He was what the Bears used to, used to, stand for. Tough, gritty. It was a trademark. It was their tradition. And he became an actor later in his life. A lot of football players did. Alex Karras, O.J. Simpson. I think O.J. is still acting. Innocent, isn't he? Anyway, Jim Toronto filling in for Dean Richards. We'll miss you, number 51. There's only one fifty-one. We'll be back after this. Jim Toronto with you here at WGN. 7.20 a.m. on a Sunday morning. Beautiful, crisp fall day. Marathon runners out there doing their thing. We've already got a world record in the Chicago 45th Chicago Marathon. Wow. Very cool. Want to mention one more thing about Dick Butkus? I was talking about the passing of Dick Butkus, and um, 
a lot of people don't forget in the movie Rocky, Rocky Balboa named his dog Butkus. Do you remember that? That's how big Dick Butkus transcended football. He just epitomized tough grit and meanness. And if you remember Rocky's big uh, big dog, he named him Butkus. So, once again, Dick Butkus will always live on. If you lived in Chicago and you saw him play, and then even years later, number 51 always, always, always is Dick Butkus. But uh, we went, we're talking not about, we're talking about something that happened maybe at Soldier Field uh, last uh, few months ago here in the summer. Uh, but it wasn't Dick Butkus playing, it was Taylor Swift playing. And uh, now, of course, um, who would have thought three months ago that football and Taylor Swift would have anything in common? And then the Bears played the Chiefs, and suddenly the pop culture world and the NFL world became an unlikely pair. And so I thought it would be fun to talk about the latest sensation of the NFL that has nothing to do with any player. But once again, Taylor Swift is invading whatever she does and making it cool. And I'm proud to say that I've got my own personal Swifty to talk about this. Uh, Last summer, um, Elena Wilkins and her sister Marissa went to see uh, Taylor at uh, Soldier Field, and they're longtime fans. And so... They gave us a nice, a nice little overview of the shows and a little background on how much they have been uh, big Taylor Swift fans for years. So I thought there's no bigger story in the pop culture world right now. I guess that's cool, or you could look at it as sad. But uh, one way or the other, everybody's talking about Tay-Tay and, uh, and Travis Kelsey. So I thought I'd get my personal uh, Swifty on the line, and we could uh, debate what's going on. Is this true romance or a true marketing move elena wilkins welcome to the show thanks jim so uh were you shocked to see tay tay and uh and travis kelsey uh together like when you did you watch that bear game when they played the chiefs um no i did not watch it i saw the clips afterwards so it wasn't um, you weren't were you aware that there was rumblings in the Taylor Swift world of a possible romance? Yeah, I think it actually started he went to one of her era's tours. I don't remember which stadium he went to. Um and he brought her a friendship bracelet and I think that that was kind of when the rumor started that maybe he was interested. Didn't I hear that on that friendship bracelet there was also his phone number? I think, yeah, so clearly Travis Kelsey has game. Now, let me, um, let me ask you this. Uh, are you a football fan? Um, I guess. So, actually, my, my roommate from college, her brother-in-law, plays for the Chiefs. Really? I'm a Chiefs fan by association. Wow. You're, wait, your roommate's what now? My roommate from college. Yeah. Her brother-in-law. Her brother-in-law. Yes. Wow. Is on the Chiefs. What's his name? Mm-hmm. Uh, Nikki Allegretti. So he's actually like a Lincoln Way East and then also went to U of I. Oh, wow. Well, that's cool. So you, wow. You, do, do you have any cool scoops? 
<laughs> no, no, <laughs> minimum. Oh wow! I mean, you've got you're, you. You really are a Swifty insider. <laughs> wow! Who knew? So, so here's my question. So, you're sort of a football fan. Yes. Had you ever heard of Travis Kelsey before three weeks ago? Yeah, definitely. Oh, you did. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I have I have a sneaky feeling that uh, majority of the Swifties didn't even know there was a team in Kansas City. No, yeah, you're definitely right on that. <laughs> and now, um, now did you did you run out? Do you have a Kansas City hat? Do you have a Kelsey jersey? Do you have a a hoodie? <laughs> did you go out right away? No, yeah, I was not. I was not a part of that that rush. <laughs> because apparently, I mean, his his within two days after that, the, when she was in the in the skybox against the w- during that Bears game on national television, Kelsey's jersey sales went up four hundred percent. Yep. Yeah, and I think his like podcast became number one. Yeah. It was like all these stats. Oh, now uh, look, I I every anybody who knows me knows that I am a fan of love, okay? I mean, it's obvious. I I love love. But um, I'm questioning if... Do you think this is true love or not? Do you Uh, think this is... Is this this a romance or is this a very well-executed marketing move? No, I think that it's not just a marketing move. Um, I guess... I think that maybe the difference is that, like, her last really serious relationship that she had with, uh, like, a British actor, Joe Allman, for seven years, they were very private. Like, he didn't really like the spotlight too much. And so I think that this is, like, a big difference for, you know, Taylor Swift fans and seeing her with someone pretty publicly. But see, um, th- see, that's, but see that's one of, you know, I, don't, I hate to be the big pin, that pops the buzz bubble of romance because I love love. But uh, a lot of coincidences. First of all, Taylor uh, did not decide to go out with the third string quarterback on the Broncos. She decided to go out with one of the best players on the defending Super Bowl champ teams. Uh, so a high profile name. That is well known. That that and, and and Travis Kelsey has certainly proven himself to be one of the best players in football right now. Long before he was going out with Taylor Swift, but now he's on every you know Swifties radar screen, one way or the other. Now the other right. thing is she has that movie coming out, right? Yeah, yeah. It's the her like tour movie is coming out. I think this Friday, this upcoming Friday. Yeah. 15th. Okay. Uh, coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> You're really playing devil's advocate. Here. Well, yes, because I have to look in. A, I don't know if you, you might be too young. Uh, I think you're actually going to be having a, a birthday next week, aren't you? I am. Yes. But um, but you not remember. You might not remember. But there was a, 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 a magician named David Copperfield, and in I would say twenty some years or so ago, he was a popular magi- magician. Um, played Las Vegas and all the things, and there was a model named Claudia Schiffer who was the model of the moment. Beautiful, blonde model. And they started going out. And it seemed an odd pairing. But, of course, she was the world's number one model. He was this this very popular magician. They were both good-looking. And so people went nuts. And this was even before the Internet. So it came out later that it was 
It was an arranged relationship to, for both of them to get publicity. Because everywhere they went, the press followed them. They were like the it couple. And so, you know, I hate to be, as I said before, to throw, uh, you know, water on this. But let's see. Nobody knew who Travis Kelsey was three weeks ago in the, in the mainstream of, of certainly of Taylor Swift world. <laughs> And Taylor now has a movie coming out. She's not on tour right now, so she was kind of falling out of uh, the limelight a little, you know, all the news. And then all of a sudden, this puts her now right in, and there's a movie coming out. No, I, well, here's the thing. Charity, I mean, ticket sales were already sold out for weeks after she announced the movie. I don't think it's necessarily that. She, for one, definitely does not need more publicity. I think it's more so now that she's with someone that is okay with all the publicity that she's getting. Oh, so you um, oh, 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 so you think that the guy was the problem, like in I the think, past? Yeah, I think she needs to be with someone that is okay with being in the limelight because obviously her whole life is going to be with you know paparazzi everywhere, and I think that's the big difference is that Travis Kelsey is kind of okay with that. He's kind of built for that. You know, he did like SNL. He's just kind of like a goofy character. I think that it doesn't bother him as much as like her ex-boyfriend it did. So I understand. Now you said you did not run out the next day after no. you know, and, and buy the, the Kelsey jersey or a hat or a hoodie. But have you bought the Taylor Swift jean shorts? No, no, I don't know anything about those. You don't? No. <laughs> oh my god! Apparently, you know, she's been wearing these jean shorts. You know, when mm-hmm. she went to the Jets yeah, game, game, and you can't buy them now. Sold out. <laughs> Sold out. Cannot find them. So, uh, like I said, I, I mean, who knows? We've there's always been these kind of it high profile kind of romances, but I just noticed, and then. What I found interesting was the the bear the during the Bears game in Kansas City. Uh, did you see Travis Kelsey's mom? Yeah, so I think maybe she was on the Today Show or something recently. She was talking; they were trying to get her to talk about that too. Yeah, because she did not look like she was all that impressed. <laughs> no, but no, yeah, and and so, but then the next week at the Jets game, once again, and let's not forget, um, Taylor went to see. Two games that were on national television, Elena. They weren't just regionally broadcast games. National television. It was the late game on Sunday afternoon for the Bears, and then it was uh, the late game with the Jets in New York. Oh, is does, is there any media in New York, by the way? <laughs> Lots. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm just. I mean, I wish Taylor and Travis the best. You know me. But I'm just wondering, you know, um, you know, is this all going to be over in a couple of months after the movies are gone and uh, Travis Kelsey gets another reality show? I don't know. Right now, I heard a story just, I read this the other day or just yesterday. He had a birthday party and she was not there. Yeah, but I think they're, like, you know, they're new. They're a new relationship. Yeah, but if you were out with a boyfriend and and it was his birthday, would you not go? I mean, if I didn't want all the paparazzi following me around. Oh, you mean the paparazzi's not following you around usually? No. Yeah, usually not. Well, you know why? Because you didn't buy those jean shorts. 
Yeah, You've got to buy the Taylor, the Taylor Swift jean shorts. We're talking to Elena Wilkins here about the uh, the new budding romance. She's a longtime Swifty. Uh, you saw one of the shows at Soldier Field, right, in June? Yes. And how many times have you seen her? Um. Oh, boy. Really? Maybe, like, six. Oh, wow. Good for you. Mm-hmm. I think we saw her the first time she like went on tour here. Oh, so you I don't have, remember how old I was? Yeah, so you have definitely earned your Swifty stripes. Nice. <laughs> oh, I'm glad to earn the title. You're not just a Johnny Come Swifty. You are yeah. a a diehard Swifty. I'm impressed. Very nice. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and I want to talk about some of her songs because okay. one of the things about Taylor Swift is, that she's created a reputation around is when she does have a high profile or any kind of romance. It seems that once it uh, it fizzles, it uh, offers her some nice um, material for a hit song. So I'd like to talk about a few of those as we continue to probe the real story behind the Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey romance. Jim Toronto filling in for Dean Richards. I'll be back after this. No switching. Jim Toronto filling in for Dean Richards this morning, but listen anyway. We're on the phone with Elena Wilkins. We're talking uh, Taylor Swift and Kelsey Tra- uh, or, or Travis Kelsey. Uh, no Bears game this week, so uh, obviously the biggest story in the pop culture world. And there's no question about this. And you could say, "Wow, you know who cares?" Well, you know it depends on your age, I guess, because if you are paying attention to the internet, the biggest story in the last two weeks is Taylor Smith. Taylor Swift at the Kansas City Chiefs, Chiefs uh, football games, and, I mean, to the point where the NFL is completely taking advantage of this during both games, constantly getting shots of the uh, of the suite. Uh, every time they score a touchdown, they would show Taylor. Uh, whether you like it or not, the NFL uh, and Taylor Swift are big, big news. Uh, Elena, just so you know, in case you're interested – the um, those uh, jean shorts that she that she was wearing, mm-hmm. they're called arena nameplates. So if you wanted to go online yeah. and but get those, anyway, I'll yeah, well, yeah, wait. I'll have to wait. <laughs> yeah, uh, and also they cost six hundred and ninety five dollars. <laughs> oh yeah, really? <laughs> We're gonna have to wait for those. Now, what uh, we all know, Taylor Swift um, seems to have break some of her breakup songs after some high profile romances have always been. Uh, become big hits. So what are some of the songs that we think at least have been influenced by Taylor Swift fizzled romances? Yeah, so I would say the most significant, maybe because of her re-recording last year that came out, was All Too Well, which was rumored to be about Jake Gyllenhaal. And then last year when she did the re-recording, she made it a 10-minute version. Oh, um, Basic and had like a short film that went with it, not just like a normal music video. Um, had like Dylan O'Brien, uh, I can't remember the actress's name, Sadie something from um, Stranger Things, and uh, whole big production. So that one's definitely significant and uh, definitely caused some Jake Gyllenhaal hate uh, <laughs> last year. <laughs> Um, then there's also Back to December about Taylor Lautner, um, Dear John about John Mayer, um, Style about Harry Styles. That one's not as, uh, as uh, that one's a little more obvious. Yeah. <laughs> so, wow, she That's is, uh, so, and she went, she didn't, she, didn't she go out with Joe, jo- uh, uh, about Joe Jonas too? Yeah, Joe Jonas, so there's, uh, 
Mr. Perfectly Fine is a pretty good one that came out also on a re-recording. And I, I can't, I think maybe like Story of Us or Forever and Always, one of those um, was well, about him. I'm thinking that there might be some, when, the, when or if the Taylor Swift, uh, Kelsey Trav, or Travis Kelsey um, romance fizzles, I think you might be hearing some songs with titles such as Incomplete Pass, Encroachment, Blocking Below the Belt, Illegal Forward Pass, and Unsportsmanlike Conduct. I'm just going to throw those out to Taylor. If she wants to use any of those, I have a feeling that if this fizzles before Christmas, the biggest hit uh, on the radio is going to be either Out of Bounds, You Fumbled, or False Start. Just throwing those out there for her. Well, everyone was loving this because one of the lines from one of her songs says, like, you'll do things greater in life than dating the boy on the football team or something. And so people thought this was hilarious. (laughs) Well, it is the biggest story on the Internet. It is the biggest story in pop culture, the meeting of Taylor Swift and the NFL. Thank you so much, Elena Wilkins, for uh, joining me. Um, and enjoy this uh, while it lasts. I have a feeling uh, they're you. not they're not going to be at each other's house for Christmas. But that's just me. <laughs> All right, we'll see. We'll see. Okay, because you know I'm ho- I'm rooting for these kids because, as you know, I love love. I was. Uh, Making a little joke earlier in the show that the streets were all blocked off this morning, just like they were a couple of uh, months ago during the uh, the, Taylor, the Taylor Swift concerts at um, Soldier Field. But we should mention that rock legend, Nobel Peace Prize, blah, 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 say that three times, <laughs> Nobel Peace Prize winning songwriter Bob Dylan has been in town and is in town tonight for the third of his three-show stand at the Cadillac Palace Theater uh, right here in Chicago on his, um, what could be, perhaps, rumored to be one of his, uh, if not, final tours. Bob Dylan is 82 years old, and so, uh, you know, this is a time when many of uh, the baby boomer rock stars that uh, have come to define classic classic rock for so many years uh, are beginning to um, to take a final bow. Many of them in their 80s. Paul McCartney is 81. Uh, Ringo Starr is 83. Uh, Bruce Springsteen has had to cancel and postpone his tour because he's had some, uh, some ulcer problems. They just announced that he is going to be coming back uh, to tour in 2024 in March, but he had to, to cancel the rest of his shows. And so at age 82, Bob Dylan is still rocking hard. I saw him last year or two years ago at the Auditorium Theater. And I have been a big Bob Dylan fan for many, many years. And in fact, about two or three weeks ago, I went to Tulsa, Oklahoma. And you say, Jim, why did you go to Tulsa, Oklahoma? Well, for two reasons. Um, Elton John's lyricist Bernie Taupin has written uh, his new memoir called Scattershot. And he was doing a book signing uh, Q&A event in Tulsa, Arizona. Or, I mean, it's in Tulsa, Oklahoma, in Connection with the Bob Dylan Center, which is a museum that features the expansive archives of Bob Dylan, video and 
lyric sheets and manuscripts and memorabilia. And it is just opened about a year or so ago in May of 2022, the Bob Dylan Center. And I went there before the the, the Bernie Taupin event, and uh, I spent three hours there. And so I thought in tribute to Bob Dylan playing our city here for three shows, last one is tonight at the uh, Cadillac Palace Theater, that I would have uh, someone to talk about the Bob Dylan Center. In case you are a Dylan fan, if you are, I would suggest you go to Tulsa. Live on Tulsa time and get out there. This is Steve Jenkins, who is the executive director of the Bob Dylan Center in Tulsa. Welcome to the show, Steve. Thanks so much, Jim, and thanks for that ringing endorsement. I'm really glad you were able to visit us here in Tulsa. Well, I wanted to, I wanted a reason when, when you opened in May. I wanted a reason to go, and then when Bernie was going to be there, I said, okay, this is perfect. And so I spent the day. I saw the Bob Dylan Center in the in the morning and the afternoon, and I saw Bernie Taupin at night. So it was a it was a nice day. We had a little Bob Dylan with a Bernie Taupin chaser. So that 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 worked out well. So tell us well, about the kind of thing. Yes, go yeah, ahead. Sorry. Yeah, tell us about the Bob Dylan Center. Why? First of all, why Tulsa? Sure thing. Um, you know, Dylan made it known in 2016 that he had been keeping all sorts of things for years, for decades even. Going back to the mid-1960s, he had started to squirrel away, uh, as you mentioned earlier, his handwritten lyrics, uh, journals, notebooks, manuscripts, photos, home movies, uh, recordings, all sorts of things that started you know, to really add up. Uh, into the tens of thousands of items. And in 2016, he and his camp decided that it was time to find a permanent home uh, for this collection, which is now known as the Bob Dylan Archive. And, you know, he could have really gone pretty much anywhere in the world, uh, hitting Minnesota, perhaps, you know, his hometown, uh, any world capital that was clamoring for this uh, remarkable collection. But he chose Tulsa in the end, uh, in part because our same organization, uh, which is called American Song Archives, owns and operates the Woody Guthrie Center, which opened in 2013 in Tulsa. Guthrie being Dylan's formative influence, the very first song he wrote is called Song for Woody. You know, Guthrie was just hugely inspirational and influential for Dylan, opened all sorts of doors for him, you know, the, the literally and metaphorically. And the fact that we already had the Guthrie Archive, which is remarkable in its own right, Right there in Tulsa, uh, we think that Dylan really warmed to the idea of his collection being right there in the same vicinity. So we think that had a lot to do with it. Dylan also mentioned it's important to him that we're on Native American land in Tulsa, and then that really resonated. And finally, he commented on the hum of the heartland as something, a frequency that he's tuned into. Uh, And for all these reasons, and then the mysterious thought process he's above doing that mm-hmm. lead him to make his creative decisions. Uh, Tulsa it is. So we opened the center about a year and a half ago. Yeah, I have to say, it's a, it's a very cool place. Um, is your office in the center itself? It is indeed. So yes. that you've got to have one of the coolest offices in the country. Well, I tell you, it's a, <laughs> it's a dream job. I, I, uh, my pilgrimage at the Dillon, you know, started when I was a, a pretty young kid. Uh, just uh, being exposed to his music uh, growing up in in Los Angeles, uh, being in a house uh, filled with music all the time. And I was so intrigued by Dylan from the very early age, and like we all do, you know, found my own journey through his work. 
working both, you know, backwards and then forwards with each new album. Uh, so I've been a very, very devoted listener and follower, uh, you know, most of my life. And it's, uh, it's just a, a dream job to uh, be part of the crew that's uh, stewarding this collection, sharing the materials with the public. You know, this is 50,000 plus people who have come in already from all over the world. Uh, curating exhibitions, putting on public programs. You mentioned Bernie Toppin. You know, we're looking at Dylan as an exemplar of fearless creativity. Uh, that's in songwriting, that's in visual art, that's in, in all sorts of ways. He has just followed his own path. So we're bringing in other artists who have done the same. Uh, Toppin is one of our great lyricists. Uh, Chris Hillman was in the other day for a, a big event. Of course, he co-founded The Birds and the Flying Greedo Brothers, uh, and on and on. We're looking at creativity from so many different angles. So explain to me, I mean, I, I explain to the audience, because I'm a, I'm a Bob Dylan fan. Um, I have been probably since my uh, my late teens uh, is when I really got into to Bob Dylan. For, uh, really, uh, in, the, in, in the early 80s um, with his Infidels album was the one that really, because yeah. uh, it was kind of a comeback, plus it was produced by Mark Knopfler of Dire Straits, and I was always a big Dire Straits fan. And so yeah. that brought me to it. And then from that, soon after that, the biography box set came out. And that yes. was a very comprehensive, and it really gave me a nice full background. And then I just was totally immersed. So it's been it's been several years that I've been a Dylan fan, but you always hear the same knock from people or a casual fan. Oh, you know, Bob Dylan doesn't have a good voice, a singer. Yes, there's no question about that. But at the same time, he's done about three albums of uh, Sinatra covers, which I think are some of my favorite Dylan albums, to be honest with you. That's right. He's done that to the to the Great American Songbook and, and delved into that. You know, I, I would quibble with that, that often uh, tossed around criticism that, you know, his nasally voice gets in the way of the songs. Uh, to me, uh, he's used his voice very deliberately from the get-go, and it's changed as many times as his music has changed stylistically. I think it's, you know, one more instrument, uh, quite literally, that he uses to convey the meaning uh, the sensibility of these different songs, hundreds of them that he's written over the years. So I, I actually think <laughs> he's one of our great vocalists. And you mentioned, you know, he's in Chicago, of course, this weekend. I so wish I was there for these shows. Uh, you know, he's he's doing uh, uh, mostly material from his most recent studio album, Rough and Rowdy Ways, uh, an incredible body of song. But he's, as always, he's looking through his back pages. He's doing things like Gotta Serve Somebody, most likely you go way and you'll go mine. And then he's throwing in the unexpected covers. You know, he's doing Truckin' by the Grateful Dead. Uh, he's done Muddy Waters and Helen Wolf songs in these first two shows in Chicago. And his voice is front and center along with his piano playing. And uh, to my ears, he sounds fantastic. So I would argue that uh, if, you, if you listen a little more closely, uh, you'll find that he's doing things with his voice that are every bit as creative as his turns of phrase and his musical settings. So, I mean, here, you know, once again, um, he's a Nobel Prize winner uh, for literature. Uh, I don't think any other rock star has received that honor. Um, he is the poet laureate of rock and roll, if you will. Um, so why should somebody that's not that familiar with his music, why should they 
discover it. They, in many cases, they might not even know that they are Bob Dylan fans. If they like songs like uh, All Along the Watchtower by Jimi Hendrix, well, that was a Bob Dylan song. Uh, if sure. you like even more recently, if you like the song uh, uh, To Make You Feel My Love by either Garth Brooks or Adele, that's a Bob Dylan song. Yeah, those are great examples. And so, I, you know, the answer is the songs themselves. As you say, yes, they've been covered hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times by artists in every conceivable genre. And it's what Dylan has done with the pop song format. Uh, going all the way back to the 60s, whether we're looking at the early protest-oriented works that were, you know, based on uh, traditional Americana uh, and then adding his own, uh, you know, slant to those, uh, to the mid-60s, just explosion of language uh, that became, you know, everything, political, personal, surrealistic, uh, something like Like a Rolling Stone or Subterranean Homesick Blues, you know, your, your listeners are probably familiar with, you know, go back and listen to those and then think about all of the songs, all of the artists in the ensuing decades uh, that have taken a page from the the Dylan playbook. Um, This is someone who has just forged ahead, who's always been one step ahead. Uh, You know, he manages to capture the zeitgeist before the rest of us are quite aware. If you think about him famously going electric at the Newport Folk Festival in 1965, you know, when the traditional folkies were uh, still wanting him to play acoustic music, you know, on the battered acoustic guitar and uh, his harmonica around his neck. Well, that's an incredible, wonderful body of work that he did. But as always, he was itching to move ahead. And it was 1965. It was time to make a new noise. He plugged in, uh, you know, that ushered in a whole new era of rock and roll uh, and on and on. Uh, So, uh, I think uh, for listeners who have their own favorite artists, uh, they'll probably be pleasantly surprised to discover that uh, whoever they're listening to, uh, you know, Dylan has been an influence and just paved the way for what it means to be a real artist in this art form of the popular song. We're talking to Steve Jenkins, who is the um, executive director of the Bob Dylan Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk to um, Mark Davidson, who also uh, is involved with the center. He's the senior director of archives and exhibitions to give us a little hint as to what the actual center is all about and talk about a new book that uh, the center is publishing, uh, talking about the career of Bob Dylan. Jim Toronto filling in for Dean Richards. We'll be back after this. No switching. Jim Toronto filling in for Dean Richards this morning. On the phone, we've got both Steve Jenkins, who is the executive director of the Bob Dylan Center in Tulsa. And we're going to be joined now by Mark Davidson, who is the senior director of archives and exhibitions at the center. Welcome to the show, Mark. Thanks so much for having me, Jim. I was telling Steve, I was at the center a few weeks ago, and I spent three hours there and was thoroughly entertained and learned a lot and uh, and just enjoyed the different um exhibitions uh seeing the memorabilia seeing the the the, the handwritten manuscripts and notebooks uh as the uh you know the head of the archives it's got to be a tre- treasure trove for you to be able to go and see so much i would assume that a lot of the memorabilia is is there's so much there so it, does it go on a rotating basis to bring more things in and out as uh, you keep uh, refreshing things? Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, We could have done the center 
a hundred different ways with different songs and 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 objects the the archive is really uh one of the largest uh collections ever constructed dedicated to a, a single artist so uh we had a a, a, a lot of uh, intense debate on on what would make it in for the inaugural exhibitions for sure uh, tell me about the, the book that you have just co-authored that uh, is going to be published soon called Mixing Up the Medicine. Yeah, ab- absolutely. We um, So my, my colleague, Parker Fischel, who is actually a Chicago resident, um, and I, who uh, I'm originally from Chicago land, Lindenhurst, listened to WGN for the last 40 years or so, um, we put together uh, a massive 608-page home on Bob Dylan um, that is sort of an inside-out biography of, of Dylan. It, it takes uh, photographs and objects from the archive, manuscripts, notebooks, um, and and traces the life and work of, of Dylan. Additionally, we uh, before we had a, a permanent home for the archive, we uh, were bringing in a number of uh, luminaries and uh, writing and music and, and arts uh, to come in and experience the archive f- firsthand um, and to, to choose an item and write an essay on it. So we've got essays in the book by Doug Brinkley, uh, Sean Wilentz, Greg Tate, Alex Ross, and Amanda Petrosich from The New Yorker, um, uh, Michael Andache, author of The English Patient, just a, a lot of... Uh, Really great essays by wonderful writers on uh, sort of what Dylan means to them. Well, I'll tell you, I, as I said, uh, I, I, I love some of the exhibitions. You featured songs like uh, Joker Man and Tangled Up in Blue and Not Dark Yet, which are some of my favorites. Uh, it, it, it spans his career and his life, talks about his, his other art, his visual art, as, long as, his, as well as his... Um, his, his songwriting, we see the actual notebooks. Some of those notebooks, I remember seeing those, the, that, that brand of notebook from the 70s. I remember using that in school. And there, here we see Bob Dylan using those to, to write some of the most uh, unforgettable songs of, uh, of the pop culture and pop music world of the last 40 years. Um, it's a great place. It's right in downtown Tulsa. It's a great way to spend an afternoon. It's a great city to visit. I had a great time there. So I want to thank Steve Jenkins and uh, Mark Davidson. And best of luck with the Bob Dylan Center, uh, and we celebrate Bob Dylan in town this weekend uh, at the Cadillac Palace Theater. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much, much, Jim. Jim. And uh, this is Jim Toronto filling in for Dean Richards. We'll be back after this. No switching. Jim Toronto filling in for Dean Richards this morning. Welcome to the Sunday morning show here. We've only got about uh, 20 minutes or so, and then we uh, take it to the football game this week, which is the New Orleans Saints versus the uh, New England Patriots at, coming up at about 11.30. So stay tuned for that. No Bears game this week. So the Bears remain undefeated this weekend. Very good. Very good. You know, Shwani, uh, you were talking about the, um, the Israeli attacks by Hamas that happened a couple of days ago. And uh, it's it's... It's a little more personal because um, my wife and I just visited the Middle East uh, in late January, early February. We went to Israel and Egypt, and we were in Jerusalem for the most part. Um, and now when I see this footage 
I can relate to what is happening. Yeah, because you've been there and you, yeah. know the, you know the area basically. Yeah. And it, it, it does make a difference, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it really does. Yeah. Uh, you know, when, when, when we see these, these, you know, f- this footage and we see the, the bombs and the smoke and, and, uh, you know, the people, um, you know, it does feel very distant and it, it, and it, it feels almost otherworldly. But having been in Israel and in Jerusalem, you can see why the tensions are what they are. It's it's such a small area of land. If you're standing in Jerusalem at one of the uh, at one of the old kind of temples, you look over the mountainside and there's Palestine. I mean, it's visible. It's not some distant place, and so there's so many people jammed into this small area. Obviously, they have their differences, religious and otherwise, and they're right on top of each other. In fact, so if if you know you know how it is, what if you did, I don't know? Do you have a, a do you have a neighbor that you don't necessarily like? <laughs> you know what <laughs> We've I mean? All had that at one time or another. I yeah, guess. and and so how how uncomfortable is that? And that's the way it is there. Um, literally, you know, when you see that, you you just go over a uh, a line, a highway, and you're out of Jerusalem and you're into Palestine. It's it's like crossing the Illinois Milwaukee border, or you know, or, or Wisconsin border, and 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 you're suddenly and you could feel the difference. You can see the difference um, in in the cultures, in the buildings, in the people, and. Um, so to see this does not really um, surprise me. What scares me is when we were there. I don't know if you remember, uh, Dave, but in late in early February, um, there was a the Israelis attacked a Palestine um, refugee camp. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we were there. Oh, you were at that. We that were area. there. Yeah. And so we came back from a day of touring Jerusalem and we come back to our hotel room and we turn down the television because there's only really, you know, a couple of American stations to watch CNN being one of them. And they say there was a bombing. And I'm like, Whoa, I mean, we're, you know, and then they said, so now they're expecting a Palestinian re- you know, response. <laughs> and I'm like, we are in the middle of this. And thankfully, um, we left early that next morning, but a day later, after we got to Egypt, we went from Jerusalem to, to Egypt, a day later, seven people were killed in Jerusalem coming out of a of a synagogue. Wow. Yeah. And so when I heard about this, I'm just like, uh, wow. I, you know, as I said, I, I, I can picture, um, you know, where that was. We, I don't, we, we weren't in that specific area near Gaza, but, but we were in Palestine. We went to the, uh, to the, the Church of the Nativity, uh, which is the, you know, recognized birthplace of, of Jesus. And that is in Palestine. So you have to leave Israel and go into Palestine for that. And we had to go through a lot of different, um, uh, uh, you know, transportation to get in there. Uh, we were, our tour guide had a gun on the bus with us hmm. in case wow. something happened. Wow. Yeah. We had to switch buses because 
our tour bus driver was was Israeli and he didn't feel comfortable driving into Palestine. So we had to we had to pull over and get into another bus with a Palestinian driver. It was like I felt like I was in a James Bond movie. Yeah. My parents many years ago went to Germany on a tour before the fall of the Berlin Wall and the Eastern Bloc, and they went in between East and West Germany, and that was tricky also. Right. Talking about... During the Cold War, certainly. Yeah, this was 1984, 85 when they went, and uh, they they said that uh, the difference between what was the Eastern sector and the West was just absolute night and day. That's how it is in Jerusalem. Jerusalem and uh, is a very modern. Uh, I mean, obviously there's ruins and things like that from you know ancient times, but the city itself is a very modern city, um, trying to be certainly a, a 21st century city. And when you go into Palestine, as I said, literally, you you cross a, a bridge uh, or even just a highway, um, you can see how it's much more traditional. Uh, there are much more older. Uh, buildings uh there's not skyscrapers there's not modern shiny buildings like we have here in chicago that that there are in israel and things like that you could see it's a much more traditionally and 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 religious based um culture and so uh when i when i left there i said boy i got a different point of view suddenly of to the of the conflict and why that is such a pressure cooker. I never felt unsafe there, but I always felt a tension. Sure. You know, yeah. and yeah. so uh, I don't know if these if these religious, um, you know, conflicts will ever be fully uh, resolved. But I just hope that the, that 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 cooler heads can prevail. And I'm not sure what kind of role the United States can play in this, but hopefully we can play some role to just calm things down because um well it's getting scary we've got late word now about uh, secretary of state antony blinken saying that the u.s is looking at additional requests for assistance that the israelis have made uh there could be some developments on that later today and also uh israel's minister for strategic affairs ron dermer has said now that american citizens are among those taken captive uh but we don't know uh, much about them or whether or not some of them may have been killed some of these captives wow. were uh killed um, he said there's a lot of dual citizenship in israel but they're still trying to go through all of that information uh, to see uh, who might be uh, who what americans might be among those taken captive yeah hopefully cooler's heads will prevail here i'm not sure how or why that happened can happen on a full time basis we've had these 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 accords and these these peace talks and these peace agreements always throughout the years be signed and then they're almost as worthless as the paper they're they're drawn on or the handshakes that uh, that seal them um i don't know if we can totally solve them but hopefully people can get uh, just live together and and get along but as i said uh, having been there uh when you when you see this footage uh, you can understand uh, what is going on because you can feel it there. So uh, our best goes out for, for, for certainly the innocent people on both sides who seem to get in, uh, in, in caught uh, in the middle of this. But um, 
just scary pictures, uh, but certainly it, it came home to roost having been there and uh, and seeing just how close and how many people are just on top of each other. It's 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 it, it is kind of a pressure cooker. It's 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 it's, it's you're not it's not surprising. Put it that way. So anyway, Jim Toronto filling in for Dean Richards. We'll be back after this. No switching. Jim Toronto filling in for Dean Richards. It's ironic that uh, the Tree Time commercial would just be running. Uh, Jack, what plans for the Tree Time? Any big plans so far for Tree Time this year? November 5th? Dean, Dean wants to marry people. Oh, he wants to get he married? Want, no, he wants to officiate a mar- <laughs> uh, wedding. Oh, really? We've had a few people reach out that want to like renew their vows. At so, the event? Yeah, so we might be doing that during oh, the wow. hour on Facebook Live. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so that's what we're trying. Dean's got a lot of ideas, but we're sorting them out. And will uh, will the show be interrupted like it was last year? I, I think it will be. Again, like there was an hour or a yeah. half hour or so that wasn't on. Yeah, we'll do it like on that. Facebook Live again. Yeah, I, I see. Um, but oh, no, wow. it'll, it'll be fun. It I'm a minister fun. too. Oh, there we go. Yeah. So two. we could we, we could do two. duel. We could yeah. do, we'd have we could have two uh, marriages going on at two different parts Dueling of the weddings. Uh, dueling weddings. <laughs> oh, very cool. Yeah, I can't wait. That's November 5th at Tree Time. Um, but it, for me, right now is the most wonderful time of year. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Not only because I love this weather, I love today's weather. Fantastic. I can't wait to, to get out there and do something today. But also, it marks the beginning um, in the last couple of weeks of pumpkin spice time. Oh. I love pumpkin spice. Are you a fan of pumpkin spice, Jack? Uh, I, I like it. I like like the apple cider donuts. Oh, nice! That's, that's where I'm at. Yeah, apple cider yep. donuts. Um, I go crazy. Uh, I love all pumpkin spice. I love. I think it started with pumpkin pie. I love pumpkin pie. That's good. And then after that, when the when as well, I was over the last five ten years, this pumpkin spice, uh, you know, fall. Things started and, and, and different uh, products started to uh, get special limited editions of their uh, products. And now, my gosh, uh, you can go online and find hundreds of them. And that's what I go on every year around August. I, I type in Pumpkin Spice 2023 to see what am I going to go out for. And over the last two or three weeks, I have done quite a sampling and I thought just for those of you that uh, are pumpkin spicers like I am, I'd like to give you just a little um, heads up on some of the things that I've discovered, because I don't know how much longer this is going to last. Here we are already in uh, in mid-October, and uh, I think hopefully pumpkin spice should stick around to at least Thanksgiving, but uh, these days, who knows? Uh, my one complaint, first of all, if you make pumpkin spice anything, retailers, restaurants, whatever, here's... My suggestion from a pumpkin spice fan. Don't scrimp on the spice. It's in the title. Pumpkin. It's what you're paying for. Right. Pumpkin spice. When I taste something pumpkin spice, I want my eyes to open. I don't want to go, oh, that was mild, schmild. No. Put the spice in there. It's got to have that that autumnal pumpkin spice flavor too often i'm tasting these products and yes they are orange like a pumpkin they have a faint pumpkin taste but uh, come on come on 
don't scrimp on the spice. It's pumpkin spice. And also what I'm finding is I need a pumpkin spice headquarters. I'm going to different stores, and I'm not seeing... I mean, I'm going to a major grocery store chain. Why wouldn't every product that has pumpkin spice, why wouldn't they have it? I go to my store, and they have some things, but not as many as I would hope, which makes me now have to go to three or four different stores. And, you know, as a shopper, if you're a retailer... You don't want me to go to another store because I might discover it and like that one better than yours. It might not go back to yours. So we all know that the pumpkin spice stuff is on a limited uh, time anyway. Order People that order the food at your major um, stores, when it, when it comes time for pumpkin spice, just check every box. I want one of everything. I'm getting no, uh, you know... Um, money here or, or the sponsors but i have to say i am very been impressed i've been very impressed target target when you walk into target right in the middle right by the door they have a pumpkin headquarters if you will they've got cookies and they've got uh crackers and they've got uh candies it's all there and then right next to it they've got a little um refrigerator for the pumpkin ice cream that's my so far that has been my pumpkin spice headquarters. I understand that Trader Joe's also has a lot of pumpkin spice, but I've been going to some of the other major retailers and they have a few things here and then they don't. And I have to go to another store. So I have to just say as personal experience, if you're a pumpkin a spicer person like me, go to Target because you can get a lot of good stuff. Very quickly, here's some of the things that I have found that are worth it. They do have that pumpkin spice flavor. Special K Limited Edition Cereal, Pop-Tarts, very good. Hostess Cupcakes, Little Debbie's Pumpkin Delight Cookies, Philadelphia brand cheese, uh, uh, cream cheese with pumpkin spice, Lando Lakes Spread, oh, the butter, it's really good. Kind Chocolate um, Pumpkin Bars, Ben & Jerry's Pumpkin Cheesecake Ice Cream, oh my gosh. Thomas's Bagels. Pumpkin Spice. Chobani Flip, Pumpkin Harvest. The Pillsbury Grand Rolls and the Pepperidge Farm Soft-Baked Pumpkin Cheesecake Cookies. Jim Toronto, having filling in for Dean Richards. Have a good Sunday, buddy. Thanks for tuning in.